0: we can have fellowship with the Lord. I look forward to the day when we get to see Him face to face and worship around the throne, but I'm glad we don't have to wait till we get there. Walk with Him, commune with Him. What a blessing that we, He makes it where we can do that. I'm glad we can walk hand in hand with Jesus. Amen. The Lord sure is good to us. I appreciate His blessings. You know, if we ever get over the blessings of God, even what we consider the simple, small things, we, we'll be good for nothing. We got missions conference coming up. I'll tell you who will do the most. It's the ones that are the most grateful for how good God's been. You get an appreciation of, of God's goodness and the fact we don't deserve any of it. And I probably everybody in here should have said amen. Right? We don't deserve one blessing that he's given, but he's been good to us. Now you get a hold of that, amen. You won't have a problem. Amen. Given to missions and the furtherance of the gospel, you'll be glad to do it. Amen. But I know I'm I'm looking forward to the missions meeting this weekend. That's not what I'm going to deal with tonight preaching. We'll just give you something very simple my heart is to encourage you tonight and uh, we need some encouragement we're in some dark days and even even preachers that are here tonight you go through things and uh, we uh, we all need a little encouragement every now and then and the preachers already gave it, giving you a heads up for the ones that'll be here this weekend it's going to be hot and heavy <laughs> and, so, and amen it's a missions meeting it's to compel you to give and to do something and so uh, tonight I just want to try to encourage you so you can endure all that this weekend all right but it is good to be back at friendship we always enjoy it and uh of course you don't have to compel a preacher too much to come to myrtle beach and we we enjoy getting to do this every year and uh last couple years and we just come in a few days early and and relax and rest and play and have a good time and and uh, so we enjoy that. Y'all noticed when he said, now you got us down for next year, I didn't even say, I have to check my calendar. I just, Amen. yeah, Amen. yeah. I didn't even. I may have another meeting scheduled. I don't know. I just said, yeah. So, that may be the week Joel Osteen's got me booked. I don't know, but I'm going to <laughs> I'm gonna have to cancel on Joel if that's the case. Uh, but. But it's always good to see familiar faces and then new faces. And met Ashley; she got saved on Sunday. That's a blessing. She she came up to me and Brother Gordon in the, in the hall there, and she was showing him her new Bible. She said, "I got a King James Bible," and uh, praise God, that's a blessing. And then then it's always just interesting to stand in the foyer and just see who's gonna come in you know being a vacation area like this is good to see you brother wells and your crew here again this year that's a blessing and then brother jay reed came in don't ask him how he hurt his arm amen it's a bad story something about domestic abuse but which i'm not his wife ain't with him so i don't know (laughs) yeah yeah but i don't know brother reed real well but i know his son-in-law probably too well Now, I've known Anthony since he was just a little boy. I've known him long enough I could tell stories that would embarrass him. Let's just put it that way. But, Brother Anthony, his dad, Brother Tony Wood, was our pastor for a number of years. And then he uh, resigned the church a couple years ago to be a missionary to Jordan. And they've been there. I guess they went in July, didn't they? They've been been on the field there in Jordan. But uh, good to see you, Anthony. That's a blessing. I appreciate you. Amen. Isaiah chapter number 45 tonight. The book of Isaiah in chapter 45. I appreciate you being a blessing to our family and gifts. I didn't get a bag, but you know, whatever. Maybe they'll share the goldfish with me. We'll see. (laughs) No, I appreciate my family. Uh, Lord called me into this thing and they just serve alongside and I appreciate them doing it, doing it with a good attitude and and I, I appreciate that. And I know there's times my boy, he'd, he'd like to be playing basketball on a basketball team, doing something like that. And by the way, that's okay. Yeah, yeah, that's that's right. okay. Yeah, that's right. And he just travels and helps his dad and does it Damn. with a good attitude. Yeah. These girls get up and sing and play instruments and yeah. just have a sweet spirit about it. I yeah. appreciate my family yeah, man. and my wife and thank God for them. Isaiah chapter 45, beginning in verse number 1 tonight. Thus saith the Lord to his anointed, to Cyrus, whose right hand I have holden to subdue nations before him. I will loose the loins of kings to open before him the two leaved gates, and the gates shall not be shut. I will go before thee and make the crooked places straight. I will break in pieces the gates of brass and cut in sunder the bars of iron. And I will give thee the treasures of darkness and hidden riches of secret places that thou mayest know that I, the Lord, which call thee by thy name, am the God of Israel. I'm interested tonight there in verse number 3 where he said, I will give thee the treasures of darkness. The treasures of darkness. When I read those words, it just—it doesn't even seem like those words should go together. Because when I think of darkness, I don't think of pleasant things or desirable things. When I think of darkness, I think of something that is unwanted. Unless you're trying to sleep at night, that's about it. Uh, darkness. I don't know about you. It can be very intimidating. It can be very frightening. Matter of fact, uh, the little children, they're never worried about the monsters in the closet or under the bed in the daytime or when the lights are on. It's when it gets dark outside and mom and dad turn the lights off. that They get nervous about the boogeyman in the room. They don't worry about it in the light. Now, I'm a little backwards. I get things backwards sometimes. I, I never had a problem with that when I was a kid. I waited till I was grown and married and had my own kids before the darkness frightened me. I mean, I, I'm weird, man. I have nightmares that don't stop when you wake up. Everybody has nightmares, but mine don't stop when you wake up sometimes, Brother Gordon. I mean, that snake that's crawling up toward me in the bed, oh, it's still crawling toward me even when I'm wide awake. That, that spider that's dangling from the ceiling with its fangs hanging out, it's still there even after I'm awake and alert. It's weird. I mean, I'm jumping around in the bed or running around the room crazy, and my poor wife, she don't, she don't know whether to be concerned or annoyed usually it's annoyed (laughs) I remember one time we was out in Colorado several years ago you know it's dry out there very dry and uh, we were staying in a cabin on top of a mountain with some other preachers and and uh, I, I woke up in the middle of the night my tongue was stuck to the roof of my mouth most normal people would just get out of bed and go get a drink of water not me I jumped up, I'm running around the bedroom yelling. I mean, my tongue is stuck in my mouth. I can't get my tongue stuck from my mouth. And my wife's like, just unpull it from the top of your, your mouth, dummy. <laughs> and you get other preachers in the room that they don't tell them what they was thinking and just crazy stuff. Just crazy stuff in the darkness. You realize the night darkness is not a thing? It's the absence of a thing. It's the absence of light. And since it's not really a thing, it really has no power. I want to tell you something. For something that has no power, it sure can seem overwhelming at times. Have you ever just been really frightened and worried about the things that really weren't even there? I remember years ago, probably 20 years ago, me and a blind friend of mine, Jesse Craigle, we were in East Tennessee doing a a meeting and we drove over to Gatlinburg one day. And Jesse, he's blind, so he has to put his hand on your shoulder and you you lead him around. We're walking down the strip there and we come by Ripley's Haunted Adventure. I was like, hey, you want to go in? He said, sure. We probably shouldn't have done it. I probably wouldn't do that now. Don't recommend it. We were young and dumb. And so here we go. We go into this haunted house and the way it works is you go in there, they put you in groups of six, or seven people and you have to put your hand on the shoulder of the person in front of you because you're going into the darkness that's how jesse walks through life all the time anyway no big deal for him but here we go into this dark haunted house and and we get in there and there really wasn't much to it a little bit of screaming and some noises but just not much to it, it was the darkness that was the worst thing about it Just being in that dark room for seven or eight minutes was very, very intimidating and frightening. I I remember one time uh, our little group took off running and and we're running in there. And and my friend Jesse says, well, what are we running from? I said, I don't know. We're just running. (laughs) But I remember I was so glad to see that glimmer of light because I knew we was about to get out of that place. And I was never so glad to get out of somewhere. Amen. And I preach in a bunch of dead Baptist churches and sometimes I'm glad to get out of there. But even that don't compare to this place. I was glad to get out. There was nothing in that place that was going to hurt us or do any harm to us. But sometimes what isn't there seems just as painful as what is. And brother and sister, life will take you through some dark valleys. It'll take you through some dark storms and some dark places. Even for the child of God. we got some new believers here tonight. Let me tell you something. There'll still be some tough times. There'll still be some storms that come into your life. Amen? I I hear these preachers get on television and preach things like, if you get saved, you're never going to have a problem again. You're going to have health, wealth, and prosperity. All your troubles are over. I'm like, where's that in the Bible? That's right. That's right. I'm going to tell you, amen, getting saved does not exempt us from pain and heartache and problems. We, we still have them. We still go through things. But thank God we've got a friend named Jesus, amen, and he said he would stick closer than a brother and he would never leave us nor forsake us, amen. I'm glad, hey, hey, we ain't alone in this thing. Praise God for that. He says he's got treasures, of darkness before we get too far into verse number three back up to verse one let's get a little context here verse one said thus saith the lord to his anointed to cyrus and i think it's interesting that he refers to cyrus as his anointed because brother wells the best i can tell that there's no evidence in scripture that would indicate that cyrus was a godly man or a worshiper of the true god and yet god anointed him to perform a very important task and to accomplish God's purpose, that title, his anointed. It doesn't mean that Cyrus was holy in his character because he was not, but he was appointed to an office. That's what it means right here. Cyrus, you study his life, he had one desire, one great long, and he wanted to enter into the city of Babylon. Babylon was the largest city in the world at that time in history and it had great wealth, it had great treasure and Cyrus wanted access to the treasure. But when he looked and surveyed the entrance of that city, he found that it was firmly secure with gates of brass and bars of iron. Because if you know anything about treasure, not that probably any of us here, amen, have much of it, but you've all read a book or watched a movie at some point, Treasure's always hidden away in a dark place. It's never just out in the open. It's usually kept in a very secure place and sometimes it's a very scary place. And you realize God's got some treasure for us in some very scary places? Some very seemingly shut up places? Let me give you three thoughts and I'm done. Number one, we see the plan of God. God lays out His plan in verse number two. Notice what it says. He tells Cyrus, I will go before thee. When he says, I will go before thee, that that speaks of a preliminary work of God. I mean, if God's got to go before us in this thing, there must be some great difficulties, there must be some great darkness, if he says, I'm going to go before you. But brother and sister, you know why it is he needs to go before us? Because there's things in those places that we cannot handle by ourselves. There are things that are that are frightening. There are things that, that are overwhelming and, and some seemingly impossible. But I'm glad what's impossible to me tonight, it is not impossible to our great big God. Amen. The things that you're looking at in your life tonight, going, man, I can't handle this. You're right, you can't, and I can't either. But I've got a God that can. I'm glad there's not a storm, there's not a valley. There's not a heartache, Abram. There's not a thing we'll face in this life that is too big for our big God. Hallelujah. And so he says, I'll go before you. I'm glad he's willing to do that. I'm glad he's willing to go before me and handle the things that I cannot handle. By the way, it was God that opened the gates of Babylon for, for Cyrus. And get this. He puts it in writing 150 years before it ever happened. That's a preliminary work of God right there. Right. You realize, brother and sister, there's things that God's been working on and setting in motion and in place, I mean, long before you've ever thought of. That's right. That's right. And those things that I cannot handle, those things that I look at and go, "I can't handle this." He says, "Don't worry. Yes. I'm going to go before you, Amen. and I'm going to handle these things." See, we we, we ask the question too often. Why why would God allow that bad thing to happen? It might be that God's saying, yeah, you don't know how bad it was. You have no idea what I already handled for you because I knew you couldn't handle that, but I know what you can handle. He says, I will go before thee, verse 2, and make the crooked places straight. Boy, some crooked places in life. Amen. There's crooked roads in this world. Y'all ain't got none around here because this is flatlands. <laughs> but you get over in the mountains, yeah. there's some crooked roads, curvy roads. Yeah. And life, life sometimes it's like that. Yeah. You're just going through life and all of a sudden it gets crooked and curvy and you've got to slow down and you can't see what's around the corner. And God does not say when, where, or how. He's going to straighten the path out. He just says that he will. Right. Right. We just got to wait patiently for it to happen. Y'all are probably great patient people. God bless you. I'm not, <laughs> hey, man. I'm not a patient person. You know what? You know what you do a lot in evangelism. You go to gas stations spend a lot of time at a gas station when you travel full-time evangelism. And you know what I want to do? I just want to get gas in my car and we'll get back on the road. It don't work that way no more. How I many of y'all found that out the last 10 years? You no, know, you've got to complete a survey on the screen before they'll let you get your gas. You know, would you like a car wash? No. Would you like to save five cents per gallon by joining our rewards program? No. Don't want to do that. Would you like a receipt? Yes. Clerk has your receipt inside. <laughs> But I tell you what, we better learn to wait on God and His timing. We make a mess when we try to figure things out ourselves. Some paths in life are crooked because it's just their very nature to be so. There's other paths that are crooked because of iniquities, according to Isaiah chapter fifty-nine, when we sin, when we have iniquity in our life, we make paths crooked. We make things hard on ourselves but then listen to this other paths are made crooked by the hand of God because he knows it's what we need at that time in our life and so you will even as a child of God you'll, you'll face afflictions and trials, tragedy heartaches, cancer amen, I mean even as a child of God you will face some crooked paths so how does he straighten the paths out? he says he will, sometimes he just removes them and I like it when he does that We've all heard the testimonies of somebody goes to the doctor and they say it's cancer, we can't operate, there's no hope, I'm sorry. And God's people go to praying. And the great physician shows up, Amen. takes the cancer away, you go back to the doctor and the doctor's scratching his head saying well, we don't know what happened. We, we we don't know. I mean it was there and now it's not. It's gone. We don't know. Hey, we know what happened. As believers, we hey better than that, we, we know who happened. Hallelujah. Amen. Sometimes he removes them, but listen, sometimes he straightens them out by reconciling our minds to them. In other words, he don't always take the pain away. I think about 2 Corinthians chapter 12 where Paul said he had a thorn in the flesh. The messenger of Satan to buffet him. He had a problem. He had had an affliction. And he asked God three times, take it away. And the Lord's answer was, no, I'm not going to take it away. But my grace be sufficient. I mean, I'm gonna be. I like it when He takes it away. But we got to get to that place as the people of God, where we'll still trust Him and praise Him and serve Him, even if He says no. It's it's gonna be there to stay. But my grace will be sufficient. The preliminary work of God. We see the power of God in verse number two. He said, "I will break in pieces the gates of brass and cut in sunder the bars of iron." That's the power of God. We're talking about things that you and I, we cannot handle. By ourselves, we, we can't handle these things. I know some of you think you're Superman. You, you think, man, you think you are invincible. I promise you, if you ain't run into it yet, you will come into something in this life that's too big for you. But you know what you'll find out if you'll just put your trust in God? You'll find out it ain't too big for Him. Those gates of brass, I believe they speak of opposition from without. We've got enemies without. The world, the flesh, the devil, very real enemies. By the way, church, the enemy's out there. This ain't ain't your enemy tonight. The enemy's out there. And i tell you why the devil's getting so many victories. We're so busy fighting amongst one another. The devil's just sitting back laughing, having a big laugh about it. But then it talks about those bars of iron, those were to strengthen the gates. I believe that speaks of opposition from within. We deal with doubts and fears, deception and guilt, things that you did before you ever got saved. Some of you probably got saved, they been maybe out of a life of drugs or whatever it might have been. I mean, you know, and, and, and those things are under the blood. Yes. Amen God doesn't remember it. But the devil does. He'll remind you, there, there's opposition from within, but the Lord says, "I will break, I will cut in sunder. That's the power of God. That's, that's, the, that's the plan of God. We need to trust this plan. But then secondly tonight, let's look at the promise of God. The promise of God is found in verse number three. He said, "And I will give thee the treasures of darkness and hidden riches of secret places." Now that expression, the treasures of darkness, it does not mean that the treasures themselves are darkness. What it means is they were hidden in darkness until they were brought to the light. Everybody wants to be in the light in 2023. And social media has made it possible where everybody can have a platform, everybody can have a voice. Listen, I'm not, I'm not one of those preachers that's going to preach against your social media or, your, or whatever it may be, Facebook, whatever you have. Amen. I'm not against you having it. I'm just against a lot of what goes on on there. Oh, yeah. Everybody's trying to make a name for themselves. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Amen. Some of you, we didn't know how dumb you was till you got a Facebook. Thought you was pretty normal, amen. Till you started posting pictures on Instagram. That's right. That's right. <laughs> you kind of told on yourself, and then the crazy thing is, you pastors know this. People will put the most wicked things out there, and then it's like they dare you to preach against it. Yeah, that's right. Well, you' are bold enough to put it out there. That's right. Amen. 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 Selfies. Oh man, we could preach a whole message right there. What in the world? This just a picture of you. What's that about? I'm not talking about taking a picture of your family or you and your wife or even the deer you kill. And you, you know, I'm just, just you. You what? You got up one morning and thought, "Man, I am looking good today. I should." probably take a picture of this and post it on social media so everybody can give me a thumbs up well, well preacher 10 people gave me a thumb 10 people that are just as in love with themselves as you are and they want you to give them a thumbs up back hey, man. man if you're a teenage boy and you post selfies man i'm concerned i'm just i'm concerned hey man if you're a, if you're married and you post selfies, you make me nervous. Yes. Yes. I mean, what are you what are you hunting after? Boy, yeah. What what are you after?
1: Yeah, that's right.
0: Well, that's right. You're right. All right. I said I was trying to encourage you. <laughs> I'm just saying, everybody wants to be in the light. That's right. Everybody wants to be a celebrity. Everybody wants their their moment of fame. If you're not careful, even in the ministry. If you're not careful, you'll try to get into the light before God wants you to be in the light. You realize God does his best work in the dark? Amen. He knows what he's doing. He knows what we can handle. But see, when God gets ready to prepare you for the light, he'll put you in the dark. We see that all through Scripture. Scripture. You think about Joseph. I mean, at the end of the book of Genesis, he's Lord and on the throne, and we say, man, I'd like to be like Joseph. Yeah, don't forget the dark places he went through. Don't forget the pit that he spent some time in. Don't forget, amen, Potiphar's house where he was lied upon and false accusations made against him. Don't forget that prison he spent many years in before he was ever brought into the light. I think about Paul and the fact that after his conversion, he was blinded for three days before God gave him his sight back. But you know what God was doing? He was preparing him to give us the majority of the New Testament of our Scriptures. Job knew about darkness. Moses knew about dark places. Matter of fact, Moses said, Lord, I want to see your glory. And the Lord said, Okay. I'm going to put you in the cleft of a rock. I'm going to put you in a dark place. But you'll see my glory. You know why we don't see much of the glory of God? We're not willing to go into a dark place. We want to be out there in the light. By the way, if you ever get in a dark place and see the glory of God, your life, your service, your giving, your ministry, it ain't going to be all about you. You won't be that guy that's posting pictures of yourself 20 times a day on social media and trying to make a name for you. No, it'll be all about glory be to God for what he's done for me. I've seen his glory in a dark place. And I just want to magnify and praise him. Amen. Man, our Lord went through the darkness. When you think about Christ and what he did so that we could have redemption and salvation and eternal life. I mean, Jesus went through the darkness of a womb. He went through the darkness of temptation. He went through the darkness of Calvary. He went through the darkness of the tomb. He went through the darkness of hell. But thank God, three days later he rose again. He broke forth. Amen. The light came forth, shining bright, and hallelujah. They'll never put that light out again. Amen. Amen. Oh, yeah, he knows about darkness. I think about the old camera film. Y'all remember that before smartphones? This generation knows very... My kids know nothing about that, amen? Some of us remember back when you had to wait to get your pictures developed. I mean, I'd go to youth camp and I had one of them Kodak disposable cameras. And then I'd take pictures all week long and then drop them off at Walmart and you had to wait a whole week. And then you'd finally get them back and I mean, you know, they had a smudge on the face or half the heads were cut off when you got them back. I remember when they came out, the one-hour photo. I mean, I'm just a simple country boy from Arkansas, man. They said, one hour? I was like, no, that ain't right. But that, that old camera film was developed in the dark. Now, you showed the pictures in the light, but the development took place in the dark. You think about a woman carrying a child. God places the child in the darkness of a womb for nine months and he's careful not to bring it into the light too soon because if that happens, there's problems and complications. So God, he knows what he's doing. By the way, he knows how much time you need to be in the womb too. Preacher friend. Amen. Amen. Servant. Church worker. He knows when you're ready for the light, but he knows that it might not be time yet and you're, you're kicking and screaming trying to bust out and God's just saying not yet Amen. you're not ready you're not ready to pastor that church yet you're not ready for that Sunday school class yet you're not ready for that ministry just wait Amen. he's developing you you know Helen Keller she was blind most of her life she said the only thing worse than being blind would be having sight but no vision You know what? She made a distinction right there between eyesight and insight. See, it's in those dark places where God will give you some of the greatest insight. The promise of God. I will give thee the treasures of darkness. Lastly tonight, let's look at the purpose of God. He does all things for a purpose. Our God doesn't just haphazardly do things. He's a very structured God. God. He knows what he's doing. The things that come into your life as a child of God, they're not just coincidence. There's a purpose for it all. You want to know what that purpose is? Look at the rest of verse number 3. That thou mayest know that I, the Lord, which call thee by thy name, am the God of Israel. Look at verse 6. That they may know from the rising of the sun and from the west... That there is none beside me. I am the Lord and there is none else. You say, preacher, why would God take us through some dark places to make himself better known? so that you would know Him better, you'd know more about Him so that others would know about Him. Trials and temptations, when you're lost, they're meant to bring you into a personal relationship with the Lord. Probably most of us tonight, our testimony would be, God brought me to the end of myself. I mean, I was at the very bottom where all I could do was look up. There was God. Amen. He'll use those, those heartaches and valleys and storms to make you aware of the fact that you're lost and you need a Savior. But then even after we're saved, He brings us through some dark places to know His power in a greater way. You see, the darker it gets, the more His power can show. The worse the situation is, the greater He gets to show off. Man, we see that, I mean, in in the book of John chapter number 12 where Jesus is in the house there and Mary and Martha, they're fixing him a meal and it says, you know, he's sitting at the table and Lazarus was one of them that sat at the table. So what's the big deal about that? He was dead in chapter 11. All right, for all you Common Core students. Eleven comes before twelve. He's dead in chapter number eleven. He's sitting at the table fellowshiping in chapter twelve. He, he was in a tomb in chapter number eleven, but he's at the table in chapter twelve. Mary and Martha were weeping and wailing in chapter number eleven, but they're worshiping God in chapter number twelve. I'm telling you, what a difference one chapter made where it's all gloom and doom and despair and defeat in one chapter, in the very next chapter, it's fellowship and worship. And in chapter 11, Lazarus is sick and the disciples say, Lord, he's sick, are we going to go? And the Lord says, no. Then the news comes, Lazarus is dead, are we going to go? He says, no. Finally, after four days, he shows up on the scene. Here comes the sisters. Lord, if you'd have been here. Our brother wouldn't have died if you'd have been here. And you know what, the whole time the Lord's thinking, yeah, but I'm fixing to show you my power in a way you've never seen it. You've seen me heal the sick. I'm fixing to show you something you ain't ever seen. So sometimes it'll get really, really dark, so the Lord can show just how powerful He is. I like that old song, "Through It All." Through It All, I've learned to trust in Jesus. I've learned to trust in God. That that second verse, I believe it is. It says, "If I never had a problem, I wouldn't know that God could solve them." We don't like problems. We we don't like heartache. I tell you what, I'm thankful that through the heartaches and the trials, I have found out I can trust Him. Amen. And I have found out He's able. Right. Amen. Amen. You say, why does God bring us through some dark places? So we'll praise Him. That's right amen when when the plan of God has been followed when his promise has been fulfilled when the purpose has been found you know what as believers we ought to come out of the darkness with a louder and a deeper praise than when we entered into the darkness when we've seen his glory when, it, when we've seen his goodness uh, when we've seen his purpose uh, when we found out we could trust him when we've seen all that man if we just sit there like a bump on a log man how sorry of a lot we'd be amen I'm preaching to people tonight if you're honest you've seen his power you've seen his glory you've seen what he can do in the dark places amen I say we ought to praise him every chance we get not just when we get to heaven but I mean right here we've already seen what he can do what he's capable of yeah, that's right. we ought to be willing to praise him for it praise God. Amen. tonight there's, there's a difference between burying something and planting something when you bury some, something, you're covering it up so it'll stay there. You take your loved ones out to the cemetery and that body goes in the ground. You want it to stay there. Can I get a witness? I mean, at least until the resurrection, amen. You want that body to stay But when you plant something, you cover it up in the same fashion. But you're covering it up so it'll change. So it'll grow and develop. Maybe tonight you walked in here some of you even, even you're on vacation and you still walked in here feeling like you've been buried. We're getting ready to go into missions conference and some of you thinking man they're going to want us and increase our giving and do more for the Lord. They're going to challenge us all week and I feel like I've been buried and God's done with me. You don't even realize tonight you ain't been buried you've just been planted. That's right. Amen. He's just trying to grow you. He's just trying to develop you because He's getting you ready for the light. Yeah. He knows what He's doing. I will give thee the treasures of darkness. Listen, brother and sister, don't miss the dark. Don't don't miss the treasure. Don't miss the blessings. Don't miss the glory in those dark places. We're going to go through them. We might as well pay attention and see what God has Amen. for us. Amen? Yeah. Amen. Let's all stand to our feet. The musicians are coming. Get us a song of invitation. More